Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? Good to see you all. Good to see some familiar faces, some new faces, some young faces, some old faces, some happy faces, some sad faces, some faces that the Lord knows, which is every one of us. My name is Nathan, and I'm going to be leading us through our service this morning. Um, it's great to have you here. It's great to have you here online as well. Uh, we do want to uh, remember that there are those that do watch online regularly, whether it's because they can't be here with us, uh, they'd love to be, but they can't be, or whether they just want to partake in hearing from God's word uh, and joining online with our church family. So you are very, very welcome if you're watching online. We are here, aren't we? Well, I pray we are, to do at least three things. To meet together as God's people, to hear together from God's word, and to be prepared to live for God outside these walls. To meet, to hear, to live. And as we prepare our minds and our hearts and our lips to do those three things, I'm going to hand over to Nigel just to prepare ourselves to what God wants to say to us this morning. So thanks, Nigel. I just want to read a few verses from the Bible, and then before we um, worship the Lord together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How are you this morning? Do you come full? Do you come empty? Do you come full of joy and praise? Do you come with sadness? We can still praise God, whatever. There's a wonderful, just three words, there are four words in here. The Lord is near. What an amazing truth. The Lord is near. He's here with us this morning. The God who created the universe is present with us as we praise him. What an amazing truth. Whatever we're going through, God is near. He's here. And we don't need to be anxious about anything. Whatever we're facing in life, God is near. So rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. We're going to sing again now a song, a song that leads us into thinking about what our service this morning is about or who our service this morning is about. We're carrying on our series thinking about the Holy Spirit. And the song that we're going to sing is an action song that speaks into who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, so as we sing this song again, sing the songs, do the actions. But also, I want you to be thinking about this question. Because after the song, I'm going to get you to talk to the people next to you to talk about this question. Here's the question. How does the Holy Spirit help us? Okay? You can be looking out for that question as you sing this song. How does the Holy Spirit help us? Lots of different ways. See how many you can find. Okay? Can you turn to the people next to you? Turn to people around you. Remember the question. How does the Holy Spirit help us? How many different ways can you remember from the song? Turn, talk, chat. How does the Holy Spirit help?
<laughs> okay, good. Right, did anyone get one, one reason, one way? Everyone got one. Did anyone get three ways? And five ways. You think so? I don't know if there's five. Hey, let me, let me point out a few ones that I think are particularly helpful. Did anyone get these two? Right. What's the first picture? It's a, right, a compass, right? The Holy Spirit helps us as our guide, as our compass, helping us know how to live for Jesus in this world. There's lots of different ways we could go. He helps us, guides us to the one true way, like a compass. What about the other picture? A flashlight or or a torch, right? We're not American here. A torch, right? A torch. Okay, shining onto who? Ah, right, shining onto Jesus, shining this big spotlight. He's the star of the show, shining the spotlight on Jesus so we see more of how amazing he truly is. That's two ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. And here's the final way, the chorus. Our help to understand your word, give us strength to serve so we can love you more. We need your Holy Spirit. I just want to focus in on that top line, to understand your word. Every time the Bible's open, if we come with our eyes and our brains and our minds, we won't get very far. (laughs) Because we can't understand by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit's help. To reveal to us the amazing truths that we find in God's word, the Bible. So I'm going to pray for us now. I'm going to pray for every adult who's going to be staying in the room when God's word is opened a little bit later. But also, I'm also going to be praying for the children or young people as they go out now to their groups. And they're going to be having the Bible open to them by their teachers. But if they try and do it by themselves, with the teacher's wisdom as good and as prepared and as prayerful as they may have been without the Holy Spirit's help. You're not going to get very far. So can we pray together before the children go to their groups? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit and how he helps us in so many ways. A compass, a torch, but also, Lord, to show us what your word, God's word, the Bible means and how it changes our lives. So we pray now for all of us as the Bible will be open lots today but particularly for the children and young people. Lord, as they look at stories of who Jesus is and why he matters, please help them understand and see clearly the amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue our service in that theme of prayer, thanking God for his goodness. And this morning we're going to base our prayers around the Lord's Prayer, the truths Uh, That Jesus taught his disciples a model as to help us as a baseline of how we can pray to our Father in heaven. So I'm going to lead us in those prayers. Before I do, I thought it would be good for us to pray the Lord's Prayer together as a family. So the words will come up on the screen. Um, I'll start us off, but it would be great if we could just read these words together as a prayer. And then I'll lead us in prayers all together after we've read this. So can we pray this together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.
Let's continue to pray with those words in mind. Our Father in heaven. Lord, we want to begin our time of prayer by focusing our minds and our hearts on you. Who you are. And Lord, to praise you for who you are. You are Father. Loving, caring, compassionate. A Father who knows us, wants what's best for us. Lord, we praise you. Lord, you're our Father. Not just my Father, but ours, Lord. You bring us together as a family. Lord, we praise you. You're our Father in heaven. Lord, no better king to come to. The sovereign one. The one who's in charge. The one who's in control. We praise you. (coughs) Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Lord, as your people, we long for your name to be lifted high for everyone to see. Lord, we want you to reign in our hearts and in the hearts of those that we know and love just as you reign in heaven. Lord, we think of our community. Lord, we think of all the events that will be happening in the life of the church this week, whether it's time to sing, Al-Anon or CA, contact, toy box, baby box, Friday cafe, Friday at seven. Lord, as people come to these events and they come into contact with the king of heaven, we pray that your name will be lifted high and your rule would come into the hearts of all those that don't yet know you. Lord, as we think of our community, we also think of the world. Lord, we thank you so much that we have missionaries as part of our church that want to share Jesus with those in lots of different places and countries and communities in the world. Lord, we pray for the Manga family, for Bethan and Tenebu, Lilia, Joseph and Naomi. Lord, we praise you for the progress that's been made over the medical clinic. Lord, for practical prayers, we pray that the roof and materials they need, they'd get them before the rainy season comes. Lord, we thank you for the hunts, Lord, for John and Abby. Lord, we pray for energy and endurance for them with such high temperatures. Lord, it's really draining. But Lord, we thank you also that they've been able to have a little bit of a break for two weeks. Lord, we pray it would be a rest for their bodies and their souls. And Lord, as we think of the world, Lord, I want to pray particularly for Senegal as a country. Lord, there's been reports of unrest and violence. Lord, please, we pray for your hand of peace and your hand of protection. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, as a church, we have spiritual needs, physical needs, mental needs, emotional needs. We are needy. But Lord, for all these needs... You provide. Father, we bring to you those that are grieving. Lord, we pray for the Finley family, for Jackie over the passing of her mom. Lord, we pray for the Bishop family and Kathy with the passing of her dad. Lord, we pray for John Hooper and Sally Kessel after the funerals of their parents and their wife this week. Lord, the words of grace Peace 
comfort, hope. Lord, for all those directly impacted and the wider family, please, we pray that those four words would be known and treasured and clung to this week. Grace, peace, comfort, hope. Thank you that those four words are found in Jesus. Father, we pray for those that are ill. Lord, in just a moment's quiet, we just want to bring to mind those that we know who are struggling through illness or just in need physically at the moment. Lord, everything we have comes from you, our talents, our time, our possessions. And so, Lord, we want to be mindful this morning that we want to offer them back to you in thankful acts of worship. Please accept them, we pray. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, Lord, we want to acknowledge our sin, our weakness, our brokenness, our limitations. Lord, how we've wandered and strayed from your goodness and love for us. And if we want to lift our eyes and look to the screen, we're going to read together a prayer of confession that brings to God our need of him and our thankfulness for what he has done for us. So let's read these words together if you're able. Almighty God, we acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Deepen within us our sorrow for the wrong we have done and the good we have left undone. Lord, you are full of compassion and grace, slow to anger and rich in mercy. There is always forgiveness with you. Forgive us, we pray. Bind up that which is broken. Give light to our minds, strength to our wills, and rest to our souls. Amen. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Lord, as we come to the reading and the preaching of your word, we pray that we would see and experience your power and your glory. Lord, we pray for Tom and Jacqueline as they read. Lord, it's your word. Your word recorded for us to hear this morning, Lord. We pray that we would listen and hear as they read. We pray for Saab as he preaches, Lord. It's your word, Lord, explained and expanded for us. Lord, we pray that we would listen and that we would hear. So, Father God, we are so thankful for these words that you gave us through your son, Jesus. And we pray that these prayers would reach your throne of heaven. We know with confidence that they will because of the work of Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have our Bible reading now, and then Saab is going to preach for us. So I'm going to welcome Tom and Jacqueline up. They're going to be reading from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. You can see that on the screen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Jacqueline. Yes, as we've been told, the reading is from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Jesus teaches Nicodemus. 
Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Amen. Tom, Jacqueline, thanks so much uh, for reading for us this morning. Uh, before we turn to God's word, let's, uh, let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you so much uh, for your word. We thank you for the truth that it contains. Our Father, I pray that uh, you'd help me as I speak this morning to speak clearly the words that you've given to me. And I pray that you would all give us all hearts. Uh, that we may hear well, and that we might be greatly encouraged. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open. It'd be a great help to me if you're able to follow along uh, as we go through. Now, I wonder if uh, you've ever had a situation uh, in your life where you were so, so convinced of something 
that no matter what you were told, no matter how hard you looked, you just couldn't accept that you were wrong. I wonder if that's ever happened to any of you. Now, a few years ago, I helped uh, run an Alpha course at uh, our Sending Church. And uh, in week three, uh, it was always a week that sparked huge debate and discussion. Uh, the session is titled, Why Did Jesus Die? Uh, and it was in this session that people came face to face with what the Bible says about salvation. About what the Bible says about how we are made right with God. About who enters the kingdom of God. Or if you like, who will enter heaven. And all the people on the course uh, who weren't Christians and some who would have called themselves uh, Christians. Believed that God would welcome them into his kingdom. Because they'd been good. uh, Whatever they took that to mean. Uh, And session three exposed that that way of thinking as being completely uh, unbiblical. Uh, But for them, the thought that their own goodness didn't make them right before God, it just to them, it just made no, no sense at all. They'd say, surely, surely I've been good. I've done all the things that God could have reasonably expected me to have done. And surely at the end of the day, God will be happy with that. Uh, The notion that they needed to be saved, that their goodness was never enough, well, that just made no sense. It just didn't compute. And no matter how hard they looked, they just couldn't accept it. And that's the same problem that Nicodemus had uh, in our reading as he encounters Jesus and what he says about the kingdom of God. Now, what those on the Alpha Course didn't understand is that the, it's only by an amazing miracle that we can be made right with God. We all, all of us, need rescue. And that is what Nicodemus just did not understand. And as we continue our series uh, looking at uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believer, uh, we come to this miracle. We come to what Jesus has to say about being born again. And this is a most remarkable work of the Holy Spirit. So as we look at our passage today, this morning, I want to just lift out two things. Firstly, you must be born again. It's the longest of the two points. And secondly, that rather cryptically, flesh gives birth to flesh. So firstly what it means to be born again. Now, I wonder what comes to mind, to our mind or even to the minds of our friends, who, who, if you were to say to them, you have to be born again, or here's a born again Christian, what might they think? Uh, They might think that someone who's had an ecstatic experience, somebody who's uh, had a cathartic uh, religious moment, perhaps. Uh, Maybe those who are broken, uh, needing something A little extra. Or maybe they might just think of a born-again Christian as someone who's a super-Christian. You know, those uh, born-again types who are super-zealous, you know, that we might think is slightly over the top. And then you have the, the normal, respectable Christians like me and you. And you see, that's part of the problem, isn't it? 
as we all come to the term born again, because it's a freighted term. It's freighted with all sorts of cultural overtones. And we need to put those ideas down and come to the text to see what Jesus says about what it means to be born again. Whatever your preconceived ideas, just let them go this morning. And let's look at what Jesus says it means to be born again. Uh, We're in John chapter 3. So let's uh, take a look at the encounter. Take a look uh, with me. Uh, In verse 1, we're told that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Uh, Nicodemus is no ordinary man. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. And in verse 10, Jesus calls him Israel's teacher. Uh, As a Pharisee, he not only knows the law of God, but he lives it and is a public exemplar of it. He's a member of the council. He's a man who has a seat at power, at the table where power is exercised. He's at the very heart of government. And as Israel's teacher, he is a professor of divinity at Jerusalem's theological college. He's rich, he's powerful, he's smart, and he is well regarded by everyone. All the people at the time would have thought to themselves, if anyone is going to be right with God, if anyone is going to enter the kingdom of God, surely it's Nicky. He's a shoo-in for the kingdom. And Nicodemus thought that too. So in verse 2, uh, he says uh, to Jesus uh, that we know, Jesus, that you uh, have come from God because no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus is evaluating Jesus. He's giving Jesus the benefit of his years of seniority, his experience of having lived the law, and his considerable theological knowledge. If you like, he's leading forward stroking his beard, looking over his glasses and saying basically this, I'm all right. The kingdom comes and when it does, I'll be waved in. I will, if you like, have a speedy boarding pass. And Jesus says, no, no, you have it all wrong. You need to start Again, all of your so-called achievements, they count for nothing. You need to start again. It's only by starting over will you see the kingdom of God. Only by starting over will you understand what it is that I, Jesus, am doing. You need to start again. You need to be born again. To be born from above. Now, we'll need our noses in the Bible uh, for this bit. Uh, Take a look uh, with me at verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, the only category of starting again that Nicodemus can think of is to go back to the start of his physical life. So in verse 4, he exclaims that you can't enter your mother's womb a second time. So to help Nicodemus and to to help us, uh, Jesus uh, goes on and we see this in verse 5. Almost the same words, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. The second statement clarifies the first. Did you see that? To not see the kingdom of God in verse 3, what Jesus means by that is to... Not 
enter the kingdom of God. And then Jesus helps Nicodemus and us again to understand what it means to be born again. Take a look at the second part of those verses. To be born again is to be born of water and the spirit. So to understand what it means to be born again in speaking of being born of water and spirit is what Jesus is saying. It's not two births, but being reborn is something that happens once and it is the work of God, the Holy Spirit. And the rebuke that Jesus gives to Nicodemus in verse 10 tells us that Nicodemus is someone who knew the law, who was steeped in the Old Testament. He would have had huge tracts of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, committed to memory. That Nicodemus should have known instantly what Jesus meant by this. He should not have been surprised. But before we go on to what he should have known in the Old Testament, I just want to flag two things uh, very, very quickly uh, at this point. Uh, Firstly, just how exclusive what Jesus says is. And secondly, how incredibly broad what he says is. Firstly, the uh, the inclusivity of this claim. Uh, Jesus says that the only way, the only way that people can be made right with God, or if they see the kingdom of God or enter the kingdom of God, is if they will be born again. In other words, submit our lives to the calling of the Holy Spirit upon it. There are no other way. There is no other way to be made right with God. That God is not found at the top of a mountain where there are many paths leading up to the top. Jesus is not one deity on a shelf with lots of other deities that we can pick and choose from. No. Jesus says the only way, the only way to be made right with God is through being reborn of the Holy Spirit. No one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they have been born again. There is no other way. The claim is incredibly exclusive, but it's incredibly broad. It's broad because the offer of entry to the kingdom of God is open to anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter if you've blown up your life because of poor circumstances or poor choices, or if your life like Nicodemus has been going really well and smoothly. No matter who you are, if you want to start again for the slate to be wiped clean between you and God, being born again is the only way. And incredibly, it is possible to start again. And all that because the only way into the kingdom of God, no matter who you are, is to be born again. And it's the same for everyone. Whether you're a murderer on death row or have your life pulled together like Nicodemus, everyone needs to be born again to be made right with God. And that's hugely encouraging, isn't it? It really is hugely encouraging because when we look back over Well, the train wreck of our own lives, if we look back, we see all of our mistakes, we see all of our errors, the things that we've made a mess of against God and against all the people that we say that we love. There's huge amount of regret and pain that we carry. And so we want, don't we? We want for it to be possible to have the slate wiped clean. We see the people we've hurt through our selfishness. Those we've chosen not to help when we could have done 
the lies that we have told, the things we've stolen, the anger that festers in our hearts and is vomited over those we say that we love, and a ground beat of bitterness that just drains away the joy and contentment in our lives. We desperately want to start again. We desperately want the slate to be wiped clean. Johnny Cash, in his song Hurt, writes of the hurt and the pain that's caused by selfishness, by addiction, and the effect of destructive choices on our lives. Uh, He sings of one who keeps hurting others and hurts himself. And he sings these words. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. And you could have it all, my empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair, full of broken thoughts I cannot repair. Beneath the stains of time, the feelings disappear. You are someone else. I'm still right here. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. All of that failure, that self-deception, the hurt, the isolation, and that rejection. That might resonate for uh, many of us uh, here this morning. And Jesus says, come, come, be reborn. Come and know the one who truly loves you. Have the slate wiped clean. It's the only way. And that offer is open to anyone who would choose it. Now, if you're here this morning and you think to yourself, there is no way that God would accept me. And maybe you think that, crumbs, if God really knew the things I'd done, the people I'd hurt, he'd never welcome me. Well, my friend, Jesus knows all the things that you've ever done, your mistakes, your errors, and even the ones you can't admit to yourself. There's nothing that you've done that can prevent you from entering the kingdom of God. You need only turn back to God, say sorry, and trust in Jesus. And if that's you this morning, then please chat to me. After the service, I'll I'll be on the front door. I'd love to have a conversation with you. So back to the encounter with Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus, as Israel's teacher, uh, he would have committed, as I say, vast amounts of the Old Testament uh, to memory. So he would have known what Jesus was saying when he said, uh, "Be you need to be reborn by water and spirit. And it should have brought him to this passage of scripture, Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, where the prophet writes this, speaking of God. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you 
and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God tells his people that because their hearts are so dark, so focused on themselves and not turned toward God, that God himself would do what was required to give people a new heart, a heart that is turned toward God. And here we see a promise that God will make their hearts clean with the image of water and that he will pour his spirit into their hearts. Spirit and water. The Holy Spirit himself would come to dwell in their hearts and that God himself would give them a heart with new desires, a desire to live for God. That's the new birth that Jesus is speaking of. That's the new birth that is the work of the Holy Spirit, a birth from above, from the Holy Spirit. Every Christian, everyone who repents and believes and trusts in Jesus, every Christian without exception is a person who has been born again is someone who's had the past dealt with who starts again someone who's turned back to god said sorry and now lives for jesus and that comes as a completely free gift but there's a gift that cost the father the life of his one and only son that we might have eternal life the one true eternal son surrendered his life and the father's love for us is so strong that the son willingly came willingly came to live the life that we should have lived and then to die the death that we deserve in our place that we might be made right with god that we might enter and see the kingdom of god our slate wiped clean And a new birth. Uh, But you may ask, why? Why do we need to be born again? Because as Jesus says in verse 6. Because flesh gives birth to flesh. That's our second point. Now Nicodemus believed that as someone who did his best to obey the law. It was pretty moral and had been quite successful. That he was on the road to be made right with God. But Jesus wants him and he wants us to see that without the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, coming in to dwell in us, that there will not be a transformation in our lives. That we'll simply not be able to live the life that God calls his people to live. That over time we'll just see more and more of the same us if there is no Holy Spirit at work. So in verse 6, Jesus says that flesh gives birth to flesh. Trying harder, running down self-help programs will not transform us. Now, for instance, if we're prone to gossiping uh, without the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, gossiping will remain a feature of our life without the Spirit at work in our hearts. Uh, If we lack faithfulness, if we're unfaithful, then without the Spirit in our hearts, unfaithfulness will still be there. If we lack contentment, again, Without the spirit in our hearts, that lack of contentment will still be there. Our besetting faults without the Holy Spirit will still be the besetting characteristics that we have. Our earthly nature, our flesh, left to its own devices, will do nothing more than produce more fleshy features. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And self-help won't change that. It might restrain 
those behaviors. But it will not set you free from them. It will not. They will not permanently change you. Now, can I just do a little thought experiment with us just to help uh, see that? Imagine that you have an orchard. Okay? It's an orchard of apple trees. And just imagine for this thought experiment that apples represent the bad things, right? The the character faults, uh, the besetting sins that we have, uh, so on, okay? And what we want is we want pears, okay? Pears represent, kind of if you like, the, the, the fruit of the spirit, yes? Peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, and all the rest, all of those, yeah? Apples bad, pears good in this thought experiment. Now, you decide you don't want apples, you want pears, okay? So you think... I know what the problem is. The problem is the earth, the ground. Yeah, it hasn't got the right nutrients in. So what do you do on your self-help program? You dig up the ground, you put lots of manure in, water it. What do you get? You get more apples. You then decide it's a problem of number. If only I had more trees, the probability of getting a pear is higher. So you go to the local garden center, you buy loads more trees, Dig them in, water them manure, feed them all up, but they're apple trees. What do you get? You just get more apples. Undeterred, you think what I should do is I should just cut back and prune the trees aggressively. So you do that, and for a time it looks good, but what do you get? You just get more apples. The apples keep coming back. The only way to get pears, to get a different fruit, is if you have a different root. Different fruit from a different root. And that's as true for those trees as it is for us. We've got to have a new root. And only by being born again, and so having the Holy Spirit dwell in our hearts, can we have that new root. Only with the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts can we have a life that reflects the Spirit at work in us. Only with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us can we see more and more of our lives looking more and more like Jesus. Only with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us will we be transformed. Not restrained, but transformed. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And that's why we need to be born again by the Spirit. Because... The Spirit will give birth to Spirit in our lives. And Jesus goes on in verse 8. Take a look with me. He says, uh, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell from where it comes or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, there's a mystery as well about the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believer. Uh, Firstly, we, we just can't tell who the Holy Spirit will bring to new life. Sure, we pray for people to be saved. We run evangelistic courses and services and meetings. But ultimately, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to move people from death to life as he wishes. But we can tell that the Holy Spirit is bringing people to new life. We pray that we'll see the baptistry used more and more and more going forward. But also as we see the effects of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and our lives and the lives of those who have been reborn. Just as we can't see the wind, we know it blows by the effects that it produces. And so with the Holy Spirit, we can't see him, but we can see the works 
that he's doing. Friends, uh, if you're here as a Christian this morning, know that you have been reborn. The Holy Spirit has breathed new life into us and he does dwell in our heart. And the power of the Holy Spirit, think about this, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the one who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Amazing. As we saw last week, the Holy Spirit is revealing that truth to our heart. The eternal danger of hell that we were heading to. And now in the mercy of God, we've been saved from. And we see the incredibly costly way in which we have been saved from that. And God reveals his love for us. And by the Holy Spirit, he pours that love into our heart. That we might be reminded of these truths as he is the advocate. And that we might surrender more and more of our lives to Christ. And that we might bear more and more fruit because we have that new root. In short, we will not be restrained. We'll be a people who are transformed. Uh, Augustine uh, was uh, a great saint of the early church. Uh, and before his conversion, uh, he had an enormous sexual appetite. And he was happy to uh, throw himself in and engage with it. And one of the ladies that he lived with uh, before his conversion uh, was described as a prostitute. Uh, they, uh, because of his travels, uh, they were separated for a period, uh, and he met with and gave his life to Christ. He returns, and one day he's walking down the street, and this lady saw him. And she shouted out his name, Augustine, Augustine. But he kept on walking. So she continued to shout his name, and came up to him, stood before him and said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. Augustine looked at her, and he said, I know, but it is no longer I. The old Augustine had died. The slate had been wiped clean. He could restart. The new Augustine had been born again. The spirit was putting to death the ways that he used to live. And he placed new desires in his heart, making him a person who lived for the glory, not of any earthly king, but for the king of kings. It might be a really helpful experiment uh, for us to do uh, in our own quiet time, just to do a personal inventory. Uh, just to look back over your life the last year, two years, five years, ten years, and just see where is it that the Holy Spirit has been at work? Where have I seen transformation and not just restoration? Where have I seen an increasing desire to put to death the old ways and rather, we've seen a growth in an inexpressible desire to live for the king of kings. To what attitudes, activities or practices are we now able to say like Augustine, I know it is you, but it is no longer I. As Spurgeon obviously captures it really, really well when he reflects on the new desires in the heart of the heart of every true believer. The desires that spring from that new life, that new birth, that new root. He says that we will march not to the beats of the world around us, but we're going to dance to the song of heaven. A desire for the king of kings and the bounty of his goodness, his eternal promises 
and resurrection hope. The joys and toys of this world, the treasures and pleasures of this world will grow strangely dim. He writes this. Uh, This should be the answer of every true servant of Christ to the world, the flesh and the devil. To the baubles and wants offered by the world, he should say, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Thou art the same, O fair false world. Thou art the same, but not I. By new birth, I have passed from death unto life, from darkness into light. Thy siren charms can fascinate me no more. A nobler music is in my ear, and I am drawn forward by a more sovereign spell toward others than yours. My boat shall cut her way through all seas and waves till it reaches the fair haven, and I see my saviour face to face. As Christians, we have been born again by the work of the Holy Spirit, and through that new birth from above, we have a new heart with new desires. A root bearing new fruit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, so much uh, for this amazing gift of new life, of being born again. Thank you that uh, through the life, the death and the resurrection of your son, uh, his ascension into heaven, the pouring out of your spirit, uh, that we can know that new life. Thrill our hearts with that truth, I pray. Pray that we would uh, indeed hunger uh, for more and more of that new life, that new fruit from that new root. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, just a reminder, please do join us again this evening at six o'clock for another chance to pray and to praise God for his great goodness to us. There are refreshments available. Please do talk to those that you came with, those that you might not know, to get to know our church family. But to finish with, I do just want to focus on prayer. Uh, There is a prayer team available. Again, this kind of area in the corner, if you'd like to be prayed for, to be prayed with, please do use that. Uh, Please don't leave this room uh, into the busyness of what might come next without praying it in to God. And just to help us continue that mindset of reflection, what I'd like us to do, just just for 30 seconds, one minute, before the band will then play to kind of draw us to end of our service, we'll have a minute just of quiet. And here's the question. I'd like you just to think about, if I were to pray, what would I say? If I were to pray... What would I say in response to what you've heard, in response to what you've sung, in response to what you've seen? If I were to pray, what would I say?